You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I have come to a realization What's that? that is a bit surprising to me. And that is apparently, if we want everybody to kind of go nuts about what we do, we have to buy a car every month. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to buy a car every month, which we certainly cannot afford. That, but we're, that seems difficult. Yes. We're quite excited about actually revealing. Thank you to all of you that responded. So many responses to the GR86 reveal. We bought one. We can't believe we bought one. It's really cool. Please watch the video. It's on our main YouTube channel right now. And of course, you probably saw it on social media, but we are thrilled to share this with you. And as you saw in the video, I just knew we had to have one because Mm -hmm. as generous as Toyota has been with us, I knew we couldn't call them every time we want to compare an 86 to something. Mm -hmm. And what I like about this one is that you really enjoyed yours, your first generation and kind of seemed to miss it, but Mm -hmm. you know, you'd moved on to other things, but enables us to revisit a second generation. I called that first generation the 1.0. You did, yeah. And this one really proved me after driving mm-hmm. at the launch event. I mm-hmm. just thought, all right, they're paying attention and they're still building sports cars for us enthusiasts. So, yes, somebody has commented already. If you thought these guys weren't going to talk about GR86s, get ready for a <laughs> rough few bad. months. <laughs> it is going to be a rough few months for those people that don't want the 86 mentioned. I'm sorry about that because now it's in the driveway. The couple other things going on here is we are going to drive it against all kinds of things, which brings up this point. Hmm. We are not the typical YouTube channel, as you can tell by the thumbnail because we didn't black out the car. We're not the typical YouTube channel that is going to buy a car to see what crazy thing we can build it into so then we can put Liberty Walk fenders on it, talk about why we hate it, and sell yeah. it. This isn't yeah. what we're doing. The whole reason we bought this is because you and I sat at the launch, and I think at the launch over lunch, half trying, we thought of six comparisons we wanted to do. And we've thought of exactly. more since. Exactly. So the whole point is to have this in a close-to-stock configuration so that we can have a stock-to-stock discussion against other cars you might be buying. Because the minute we start tuning it, it throws the whole <laughs> equation out, and it's, well, yeah, but that car got changed to be whatever – so this is going to be something that we want as it's in the stable so we can keep bringing it out as a benchmark and go, is it good enough? And it might not be. And True. that's okay. Absolutely. Just because we bought one, it might yes. not win whatever challenge or whatever mm-hmm. comparison we're doing, but that's fine. But it definitely gives you guys the benchmark, the place for mm-hmm. it in your mind. So if you're considering one, you can say, okay, it does this, but you know what? Up against other cars, it doesn't do what I'm looking for. And maybe you go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Much like we've been talking about the C8 Corvette. When it came out, it seemed like, the perfect sports car yeah, for yeah. all time, for the rest of time, <laughs> yeah. for the price, for the amount of power, the fact that it was still a V8, it was mm-hmm. moved to mid-engine, mm-hmm. up against all the world's supercars, Z06 notwithstanding, it seemed like, wow, mm-hmm. the perfect, most compromised sports car of all time. <laughs> yeah. We should drive this against everything because it is so good. Similar kind of thinking here because of the price point and the mm-hmm. fact, again, Toyota is still building sports cars. So we're, we're thrilled to share that with you. We have had it for about two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. We took delivery from our friends at Mark Miller Toyota in Salt Lake City. Yeah, they were great. And they us. were very good to us. And we did get it for MSRP. Well, that was the big thing that was said really early on in our conversation because we actually ordered it through Toyota. Just so you guys know how this went down. We ordered it through Toyota. Just straight yes. up ordered it through Toyota. And then they put us in contact with our local Salt Lake dealer, this mm-hmm. Mark Miller dealer. Yep. And we didn't know what Toyota had said to them. Plus, we, we weren't asking for special treatment. We said, we want to buy the car. Right. Okay. Exactly. So then when you had your first conversation with them, you said, by the way, we're expecting to pay an MSRP. And they said, that's all we charge. 
Yeah. They, Mark Miller specifically told us that they don't charge above MSRP. Mm -hmm. They were very good to work with. Yes. So we really appreciate that. So the car was built on the 25th or 20, 21st, no, 21st, 21st of December. December last year. Yeah. And our order really matched up something that was already in the queue. Yeah. And it was shipped to Long Beach, Port of Long Beach, the week of January 11th, 2022, mm-hmm. and then made its way uh, up to Mark Miller Toyota, where we asked them not to do any dealer prep. Yep. And that's the video that you'll see. We got to peel all the stuff off. We had their tech on hand mm-hmm. to plug in some of the uh, the relays and the fuses, yep. Yep. M- make but, sure. Sure, it's drivable. Have to do. And that's, yeah. yes, because of legality requirements. Yep. Yep. So we had him on hand, which was great. And then we took delivery. We've just been driving around, and Todd and I are just going to share it. We're going to live with it mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. do daily stuff. You know, you need to pick up your son. You know, it's going to be everywhere. It's, I'm really excited. Wherever. About it. So yeah. we're just going to swap out as want it for a week. I'll have it for a week. Who, who cares? You know, yep. we'll just drive it and swap out. And, uh, and we have the crazy gold wheels. And if you see that car, it's probably us. I just exactly. want to put that out there. <laughs> uh, speaking of hanging with us, I want to mention this. Yes, the time is now. Have you noticed? Pilgrimage is happening, and you can register right now. We know there are crazy things going on around the world at all times. Yes. And we're just going to deal with them as they come. Mm -hmm. And so we're putting it out there. Pilgrimage is now available. Go to everydaydriver.com. And Mm -hmm. under the adventures tab, you can see all the information. Hopefully most of your questions are answered in there. Mm -hmm. Please dig in. But if truly, if you do have a question, we're we're happy to answer and happy to help with that. So we would love to have you attend. And as we said, you know, we know there's stuff going on on the planet. Yeah. But we're just going to. Take it as it comes and still try to go do what we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. After, especially after a couple of years of not doing it. We'd love to have you guys go with us. Two other bits of news. First off, I'm going to get to the one that I like the most second. But first off, Ford splitting itself in half mm-hmm. and going with Ford Model E, which I find really interesting for this one point. Okay. A few years ago, Elon Musk, who I've decided is a 14-year-old with money. That's just That seems to be that guy's demeanor because he <laughs> wanted his cars to spell sex. Sexy, yes. Yes, he wanted his cars to spell sexy originally. He wanted it to be the Model S, the E, the X, and the Y. (laughs) And he went to Ford, and Ford said, you will not use Model E. We have then reserve, thank you very much. You cannot do it, which is why it is the Model 3, not the Model E. So he still tries to get by with sexy with the 3 for the E. Mm -hmm. By the way, Mm -hmm. for a while, he sold shorts for women, boxer (laughs) shorts with that on. I'm telling you, a 14-year-old boy, maybe a 16-year-old boy with money. Anyway. So the Model E name is now being used by Ford as they're essentially half of the company. Is it a sub-brand? It's weird. They've kind of split the company, and Model E is going to be the designation under which they sell all their electrics. They're talking about having a different dealer experience. I wonder if that means direct order like Tesla. That is fascinating that they're doing that. I'm very curious to see what happens because we like the the Mach-E. In yeah. spite of the fact it shouldn't be Absolutely. the Mustang Mach-E, we like the Mach-E. You know what I love about this? And it continues Tesla's influence on the automotive market worldwide. Mm-hmm. So not only have they kicked everybody in the teeth with their own products, yes. they have they, moved they are the needle. Excellent, though. Yeah. They have moved CEOs to reconsider the traditional business models yeah. and reconsider yeah. their own business, the entire global business of how they make and sell cars, which I do appreciate and mm-hmm. I do like. Whether mm-hmm. they're gas-powered, whether they're electric, CEOs yes. around yes. the world are thinking, okay, we got to do stuff different. We got to appeal to new buyers. We got to make better products. We got to bring new customers in. You know, after all, they're not charity organizations. True. They're here to make money. Mm-hmm. And so how do we provide jobs for people and make great products and bring new customers to whatever brand? So 
I don't really have at this point a big opinion one way or the other about mm. this split because the announcement has been had. Of course. And we'll yes. see what shakes out. Totally we'll see what agree. happens at this point. Yeah. I, I do like that and appreciate that. And if it doesn't work out, of course, they can always go back to or change a, a business model. But they're trying some stuff, which I appreciate. Completely. And it, and it suggests itself to two other things that you and I have discussed before. First off, every car maker on the planet has looked at all of these quasi-regulations. And I say quasi because I think they're going to be moved or go gray. These regulations for only electric cars by 2030 or 2035 or whatever. And most automakers are making announcements where we as a brand are going to jump ship entirely and go electric. To that I say, I don't think you will, and good luck. Absolutely. Ford is at least saying, look, we're going to make this part of the company that is concentrated on that and this part of the company that isn't. And they've created a room for themselves to be in both camps very publicly. So you don't have what some of the other companies I think are struggling with, which is they're still making internal combustion cars while they're thinking about electric cars. And so the internal combustions aren't getting focused on or aren't getting focused on right because we're over here looking at electrics. Here is a split to go, you guys worry about this team. You guys worry about that team. You're under the same banner. Go. I think that is really smart. Because Agreed. it might be a way for a legacy automaker to actually navigate this because I do think those regulations are going to be constantly changing. So I'm intrigued that Ford did this. So you're saying it kind of leaves them an out. It if leaves them this complete flexibility. out for us. I think it's specifically for accounting purposes and not just financial, <laughs> but for you know accounting for sales and simply appeal to customers. Mm-hmm. Did this work? You know, that Genesis split off the business model and they will have some electric versions sure, in the future, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. they just stopped reevaluated what they're going to do mm-hmm. and relaunch the brand as a separate brand, even though we all know it's a Hyundai. Yeah. Great. Fine. But they're marketed differently mm-hmm. and they're now they've placed themselves in a different category. So far, it seems to be really working out for them. Ford's trying the same thing. And so not only will the budgets and how we allocate dollars and maybe how we allocate the interests, mm-hmm. what the new brand does, like into electric racing or, you know, well, this is just this brand going into that, whereas the rest of Ford is left alone to do other things. Well, think about it. I appreciate that. This sounds weird, but just where my brain goes. Think about it in terms of a Super Bowl commercial, Ford Super Bowl commercial and a Model E Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. You don't have to do one mm-hmm. Ford commercial that talks about here's our big combustion pickups and here's the electric one. And you can split the world. Yeah, I can Agreed. see a lot of interesting interesting things in it. Speaking of <clears throat> legacy automakers. Oh, no, you're going there. I'm going there. Well, we have to. You've all heard about the ship, right? Felicity Ace <laughs> with 4,000 Volkswagen products on it. Uh-huh. This is the ship. I'm just going to review because I cannot believe it's happened. This is the ship with 4,000 vehicles on it that caught fire and they got all the crew off safely. Thank you. And they left it burning. Now, everything I've read, everything I'm I've trying read to keep a straight this, face over here. I'm really working oh, yeah. on it. Everything I've read is that on that ship were multiple ID fours, Volkswagen ID fours. Now this is not a comment on ID fours. It's also not a comment on electric cars in general, but I am going to state the reality. And that is they have lots of batteries and those lithium batteries. When they start catching fire, they're like horrible popcorn. Because one little cell catches fire and the next one catches fire. And all of them now might be corrupt, but you don't know when they're going to catch fire. And they burn through metal. Look at the pictures of this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So eventually, those electric vehicles, nobody knows how it started the fire. So they don't even know that right. that started. Ignition, we don't know Who whether knows? it was an electric but vehicle at some point, or something else. Those yeah. things must have caught fire because if you look at the pictures of this ship, it just it's melted metal. It, they melted the metal down the, the, the hull practically. But I bring it all up because <clears throat> it sank. <laughs> it sank. A big shout out to our friend and listener, Rich C, mm-hmm. who emailed me after we came up with 
Drown the Taos. Yes. Hashtag Drown All the Taos. Yes. Drown the Taos. Drown the Taos, which I still really like. Yes. He emailed me and said, Paul, what are you thinking? Talking heads. Burning down the Taos. Which is much better. Rich, that is much better. It's much better. Good job, Rich. Well done. So this is an entirely Volkswagen Group boat. Mm -hmm. What I understand, it's $401 million worth of vehicles, not including the ship. So a lot of money. And I don't know that any insurance carrier would take on insuring vehicles. I believe, somebody correct me, but I would bet that Volkswagen Group self-insures for something like that. Possibly. Well, they certainly have got a write-down now, if they nothing else. They certainly have a write-down. Yeah. But it's been a while with since a scandal has happened to Volkswagen. I can't remember. What was the last one called? <laughs> what was it? We had Dieselgate. You know what this is? <laughs> this is Sinklegate. It totally is. It's Sinklegate. <laughs> I uh, mourn the loss of the 1,100 Porsches that went down. The Lamborghinis, I could go either way. Yeah, there were probably Taycons and 911s, and I hope there weren't any GT4 RSs, but there well, might be. We know our friend Matt Farah had a 4-liter uh, Cayman on there, mm-hmm. a Boxster. I think it's a Boxster Speedster, but I could be wrong. But the point is, he had a really nice Porsche Boxster Cayman platform on there that was custom-ordered and is now... <laughs> Oh, God. It's at the bottom of the ocean. It's the world's most expensive coral reef. It really is. <laughs> there's, there's some urchins and fish down there going, it's nice in here. Volkswagen Group. We make Curryverst, Coral Reefs, O.N. Cars. We now have an auto parts partnership with CarParts.com. CarParts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts. Their fast, mobile-friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them. Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle... Start shopping and start saving. It really is that simple. CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you. And they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit CarParts.com slash EverydayDriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at CarParts.com. Couple of great car debates coming at you. First, oh from yeah, car J- debates. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> he is in Injamena, Chad, which is the capital and largest city of Chad, Africa. By the way, the city was founded in 1900 by a French commander, and it has approximately 1.6 million residents. Josh writes to us from Injamena, and he says, "In the coming months, they're preparing. He and his wife and family are preparing to move to Vienna, Austria." Okay. From Chad, Africa. That's a bit of a difference. What, what I want to know, Josh, that you haven't mentioned, and I think you have strategically not mentioned it, is what do you do? Because you're, you're, you're an American family. You'll see here as we go on here that you're an American family because you have the ability through whatever it is you do to buy an American car and have it shipped to where you are. Yes, indeed. So you're an American family in Chad and about to move to Vienna. I want to know what you do for a living, but I have a feeling you <laughs> couldn't tell me you'd have to kill me. That's kind of what I think we're at. Well, to start out, Josh would like to create a new position in the Everyday Driver Cabinet. Mm. We've discussed this before. We have. You called it an ally, which I do really like. Mm -hmm. He wants a Minister of Acquisitions. I like this. This is very good. This person has no fiscal responsibility and doesn't care about the price, but has final say, so no unauthorized commitments are made. (laughs) His wife is the current MOA in their household. I, I, I like the MOA. That's very, very good. Well, their fleet in Chad is boring, he says, to put it lightly. He's got a 1999 Land Cruiser with the 4.2-liter diesel and a five-speed manual. I'm going to stop you there, Josh, for for one reason, because, uh, okay, it might be boring and it might feel boring in Chad. However, I guarantee you, if you got that car to the U.S., it would be the belle of the ball. (laughs) A 99 Land Cruiser with the 4.2-liter diesel and a five-speed manual is unheard of over here. 
Put it on, bring a trailer. Well, the boys make eight hundred thousand dollars. The boys at Griot's just bought something like this. Yeah, they did. They bought a really clean one, and they were super excited about it. The Land Cruiser um, disciples would be all over that thing. So I understand that it's the right car for where you are, but that that isn't boring in the right environment. It's just over there. It's like, yeah, I got a Land Cruiser. Oh, you're right. The Minister of Acquisitions pilots a 2011 Subaru Outback. I never knew Outbacks were to be piloted, but that's a great way of spinning it. Well, it also has a six-speed manual gearbox. Yeah, that's good. That's amazing. Well, both these cars fill the need because the roads are terrible in Chad, he says, and they're cheap to run and maintain, but he won't be sad to see them go. Now to the current dilemma, what is the route to go for Vienna? They can either ship a car from the States or purchase a car locally. The Minister of Acquisitions requirements have a manual transmission. That is a must. MOA grew up with manuals. Only manuals. Yes. She grew up with manuals. She says automatic cars are weird. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Good to know. I like this very much. This must be reliable. There are a lot of four to six hour drives they'll be taking from Vienna to elsewhere on a regular basis. Love it. They've got a four-year-old, so four doors would be nice for ease of getting in and out. Child seat in the back. Love it. And like Josh, the MOA cares more about handling than raw power. However, there will be a lot of city driving, so the light-to-light acceleration is a must. You can't get left by everybody at the light, essentially. Yeah. Right. Okay. For the price, he gives me hard limits. He says if they buy a car locally, it needs to be under 25,000 euro. Okay. They buy it in Vienna. In Vienna or in the surrounding area. Yes. Shipping a car from the U.S. needs to be less than 35,000 U.S. dollars. He said they will more than likely keep this car for a few assignments after Vienna. What is it you do, Josh? He said assignments. Mm -hmm. That's cryptic. It's cryptic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. He's always wanted a five-door BMW 1 Series that we never got in the States. Yeah. So have we. Every time we go on our pilgrimage trip, we see him and go, that's sweet. And, and, and Tom, who lives there, is like, yeah, it's an old BMW 1 Series. Buying a Veloster N and shipping it over seems nice, too. Hmm. Usually leans towards purchasing something that they're unable to get in the U.S. Okay. He never knows if he will have the chance to live in Europe again, so it would be cool to taste some forbidden fruit. Very cool, Josh. This is fun. I like this. Honestly, the 1 Series hatch is a great idea. I do really like that. Now, they're sure. a little older at this point, so I mean, you certainly can get one well within your budget. I, I can't speak to how easy are they to get parts for and run and maintenance because we didn't have them here. Now, we had the 1 Series here. Many people that have had the 1 Series that, that are followers of this show have loved it. We really liked it depending upon the spec. In like the low budget spec, it was like, hmm. In the upper budget <laughs> spec, they were really right. great. Like the 135Is, were, they, they were like a little... Little brother to the M3 of the air. I really liked those. So mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is a great idea. I think that's good. I want to say this real quick. Don't get a Veloster N. And I'm going to say it because it's you should be buying something you can get there that is interesting. They don't sell the Veloster in there other than the fact that you've made yourself interesting because you're driving an oddball car. What you want if you go that sure. far is just go buy yourself an i30 in. It's the same car with yeah, a more usable that's shape. That's a great point. Yeah. So there's no point in bringing the Veloster in over. Those are the first two thoughts I have. I have some more as well. I got really excited, Josh, because oh, I thought of all the hot hatches from Seats to Skodas to Renaults and Peugeots mm-hmm. and DS and Cupra's its own brand now. But then I thought of Ford of Europe. Mm. Even though it's primarily a brand associated with the U.S., yeah. they make a lot of vehicles that are no longer available in the U.S. They do. Some good ones, too. Yes. Most notably, the Fiesta ST mm-hmm. and the Puma ST. Which is what I'm considering for you because it's got the 1.5 liter EcoBoost, 200 horsepower. It's a bit taller than a Fiesta ST. And I thought the the Fiesta Mm -hmm. might be great. Mm -hmm. It it could be the right choice. But the Puma 
is not available in America as this style. Sure. Because you keep coming back to that BMW 5 Series. This doesn't look like one. It doesn't really... It acts a a little bit like one, but it's definitely taller. Mm -hmm. But I think for your growing family, the balance between slightly higher ride height for city driving and just for maneuvering and you know, equipment and cargo and whatever it is you do related to your job, you might need <laughs> gear of some Possibly, sort. Possibly, yes. But it'd be good for the family too, and I think it'd be a lot of fun. And it is a manual. I thought of the Cupra Leons. Those are out of budget. The Cupra Born is all electric. Mm-hmm. I considered the Mini Cooper JCW. I've talked about that car a lot lately. Yeah, you have. Could be fun. Mm-hmm. It's, well, the two-door, you could do that. You maybe go to the four-door if you want well, to. what about the Clubman? You know, a little bit bigger. Yeah, the Clubman Can could be Can you make the choice. Clubman work? That's an interesting one, because otherwise you wind up in the, the Mini version of the X1, which is good. Mm-hmm. But at the mm-hmm. same time, if you can do the Clubman, then you, you're almost doing the one you want, which is the little guy, which is probably not big enough. Yeah, for sure. But ultimately, whatever you decide, we still recommend you shop in the surrounding area. You don't have to necessarily buy in Vienna. True, yes. You've got Germany right there. I mean, mm-hmm. you yeah. could go, you know, have a little road trip and little Autobahn awakening. Mm-hmm. and Go by the ring because, you know, you're there. Swing by. Well, it's a little bit far but nevertheless <laughs> but but it's, it's the autobot it. well let's go let's just yeah, go it'll be exactly fun. yeah otherwise as far as manual transmission in, in europe they're starting to become scarce unless you go used unless you do mm-hmm. like that uh that one series the five door which is a cool car but then you're buying something at least a decade old at this point yeah so i'm really intrigued with that puma st and i'll be honest I like the styling. Do I think you? it's appropriate. Mm. I think the size and scale of the car, it is very much mini Clubman-ish yeah. in look and feel, but I like it because it's got that you know sweet little EcoBoost turbo mm-hmm. and manual transmission, and it's not too much higher than the Fiesta ST. It's just a, a little bit, but it's a, a nice balance. It's not quite SUV. It's not even a CUV, but it's kind of right in the middle, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's what attracts me to it. And the reason is, I guess, because I drove that first Puma, Gosh, back in 98. Oh, wow. Okay. That was built, much like a Focus RS, it was built in Germany, mm-hmm. and it had a different feel. Mm-hmm. It did not mm-hmm. feel like a Ford. It felt like a Honda. Ford of Europe feels very different, yes. You remember that, that late 90s Puma that was just strange looking? Mm-hmm. When I worked at Ford, they had one in Dearborn. Did they really? And okay. so the designers right. could check out the cars, and everybody went for that car always. because sure, it was oddball, thought, yeah. It's so small and cool and fun to drive around. And so this is this, you know, they brought the Puma name back for Ford, at least, mm-hmm. And uh, giving it a little bit different look. It's a little bit larger now, but I think for your area, for that size, I think it could be a good choice. I like that. Not too bad on price either. You know, I don't know if they still sell it anymore because I didn't think of it until you were talking about Ford of Europe. But the last time we were in Germany, we saw quite a few of what I'm about to bring up. And that is, speaking of Ford, the Ford Focus ST wagon. The wagon. You're right. It's not the hatchback. It's the wagon. It's slightly stretched, but it still comes in ST form. We saw a few of those. They were great looking. They had even more space. Of course they did because they were the wagon. And those were available Mm -hmm. over there in Maine. I honestly, because I just thought of it this minute, I don't know if they're still selling the new and if they're available in manual, but that, you know, that was the sister car to the Fiesta, which obviously is significantly smaller. There's a real option there. I am going to give a huge shout out to the Renault Megane. You mm-hmm. cannot get it here. Mm-hmm. It is a standby of our friends at RSR Pilgrimage who actually help us on our pilgrimage trip with getting cars. And that is one of the base cars if you come with us at the Renault Megane. They are fantastic hatchbacks. If you watch European hatchback reviews, one of the top two cars is always the Renault, Renault Megane. They're absolutely so, awesome. Yep. Now, depending upon which one you get, they can seem or feel a little cheap, but it's a good European hatchback, front-wheel drive, great dynamics, 
good manual transmission. They are they're excellent track cars and they're excellent dailies. Get the hottest one you can. That's and how they've got them in four doors now too. The they've got them. RSR everything. ones are always two doors. Of the, course, the Magan comes in every flavor yeah. you can imagine. So yep. get the one that is the right size for you with the hottest variant possible. Because the, that's the other thing they sell. Just like if you think of the Fiesta ST for all of us in the U.S., you can buy a Fiesta mm-hmm. and then you get the ST. They sell, the, but the Magan comes in like four or five different hot flavors. Yeah. So yeah. get a hot one, get whichever hot one is right. And then I have a wild card. Oh, okay. Because it doesn't come in a manual. So it's probably out. Okay. But I was thinking about something that would be great for the family, be great for road trips, isn't actually that big, is wonderful to drive. You could definitely find one for your price and is only available in Europe. The Mercedes CLA wagon. I wondered. That is fantastic. We loved it. We had one as a loaner when we were there the last time. And it, it was the base engine. And yeah. it was fantastic. We were doing lots of people, lots of gear on the Autobahn in that thing. We drove it around uh, Stuttgart. We drove it around Frankfurt. We drove it all over the place. We had a great time in that car. There's actually a review on our test drive channel of that car. So the Mercedes CLA wagon. Now, again, we had the base engine. Can you get higher than the base engine? Because guess what? It's only going to get better. Yeah, for sure. So that that's is, a great choice. Now, it's an auto. Like it's a full. It's an auto. So you may just throw it out immediately, and that's why it's a wild card. But I thought that one is really cool, and it's good for the small family wagon. Mm-hmm. Every winter, we find ourselves tracking snow, salt, and grime into our cars. Thankfully, Covercraft has a variety of floor mats to keep you winterproof. Covercraft floor mats and cargo mats are custom-fitted to your exact car and include the original equipment security grommets if applicable. They're the perfect and durable way to protect your car's carpet and add style and comfort to your interior. Plus, you can choose from many color and material options to complement or contrast the interior colors of your car or truck. Covercraft is sure to have what you need. They offer plush carpet, Berber carpet, or even sheepskin, which is warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Whatever mats you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY22 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Liam is writing in from Los Angeles. He's falling in and out of love with cars. Part of the problem is the fact that he's early on in his car life. He's living in L.A. He's had a little bit of access to cars from his dad, but he has a decent budget and a quandary. Liam, thanks so much for writing. He's been listening and watching since he could drive, and he's now 22 years old. Okay. Well, we've been around a while. <laughs> we have. been doing this for a bit. Well, he says he's had internal made-up car debates even before he could own a car. You are a car person through and through. Welcome. <laughs> Totally. We are your people, Liam. <laughs> exactly. His interest in cars has grown from his dad's interest, building car Legos, puzzles, watching F1, going to car shows, other car-related activities, of course. But he admits that his interest in cars has waxed and waned over the years, either because he, because he felt like buying a car was too far away when he was a kid, mm-hmm. or he was in college where he couldn't afford to upgrade the car that was given to him. Interesting. Okay. But now he wants a car that can keep him involved in the car community as well as remind him why he loves cars. Okay, all right. When you think of what the perfect car looks like, sounds like, and what emotions are attached to it, when that comes to mind, he says that all comes before speed does. So look and sound and feel Mm -hmm. are more important than speed. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. His budget is forty to forty-five thousand dollars. I'm sorry, did what? not have that budget when I was twenty-two. Record scratch. I, I actually wow. got to that part of the email and circled back. I was like, "You're how old now?" Okay, good for you. Awesome. No, great. Kidding. Let's keep moving. Well, he's looking to own something for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Before contacting us, he almost bought a Tesla Model Three, but canceled at delivery. At delivery. Oh, okay. After it started to change his views on cars as a point A to point B tool. Mm, okay. All right. From a financial perspective, he says it was probably the right purchase. No maintenance, no California gas prices, and minimal depreciation. 
but he is here to indulge his passion. Okay. So he's looking for a sports car that won't lose as much in depreciation as a concession between fiscal responsibility and owning a fun car. Well, we're the wrong podcast for that. <laughs> we, Just guess kidding. which way this is going to go. <laughs> Own a fun car. That's how that's headed. Just so you know. Yeah. As of right now, he works from home, but in the summer, he'll be driving from downtown LA to downtown from the San Fernando Valley. He says about a 60 mile round trip in LA traffic. Yeah. So it needs to be comfortable in traffic. Mm-hmm. We definitely know LA traffic totally. and, Absolutely. and the desire yeah. for comfort because you're just creeping along. But he says, I also want it to be fun in the canyons. Mm-hmm. Now, he grew up learning to drive in whatever his dad owned, starting with an 06 Volvo XC90, and then a year 2008 Audi S8, hmm. followed okay. by a BMW 750 IL. These are hand-me-downs. <laughs> These are hand This is Dad's driving those cars as the big executive cruisers, and you get to drive them. I get it. But you're currently driving his old 2001 F-150, so that is a major switch and the wrong car for Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's also got a collection of Mercedes, 300E, 400E, and 500E. His dad's old he stuff. He has a yeah. 500E. Uh-oh. Oh. Paul's going to be at the doorstep of dad. This was built by Porsche. You probably already know that. And, and yeah, you know the whole he's, story. He's driven all of dad's big executive bombers, oh, and wow. his dad has a 500E and this other stuff. Clearly, Mercedes is in the blood there. But he's driving this old F-150, and we got to get him out of it. Yeah. Well, his personal car ownership starts with a 2011 Jetta 2.5 liter as his first car. Okay. He says he enjoyed it as a commute vehicle, but that's about all he thought about it. Okay. This car took him out of being a real car enthusiast. So, craving right. something more exciting, he learned to drive manual in an NA Miata Love during it. the pandemic. Love that. That's great. Excellent. The best part about driving a Miata was pushing it to its limits and still being within the legal limits of the law. That's the greatest You've thing discovered ever. Miatas. Yes. Yeah, so this is the slow car fast discussion right there. Is you're like, I'm flying. You look at it and you go, I'm going with the speed limit. I'm doing fine. <laughs> But then last year, he sold that car and bought a 2003 SL55 AMG to get more power, luxury, and sound um, out of a car. Okay. Those are like diametrically opposed. Those are, are pretty much the bookends of we made a rear-wheel drive two-seater. That's pretty much just the bookends <laughs> Convertible, right there. Yeah. yeah. Holy moly. But he says, unfortunately, the running costs of that car were high. <laughs> that is the understatement of your right. email. Well done, Liam. <laughs> so he sold it. He's been borrowing his dad's cars as he tried to wait out the madness of the car market. He doesn't want to fall back out of love with cars, so he's willing to now pay the pandemic premium to stay engaged. Interesting. That's dedication, which tells us yeah. you haven't ever really lost it. Mm-hmm. Everybody listening has felt the oh, man why feeling yeah. of why are cars costing so much and mm-hmm. why is it preventing me from enjoying the thing that I love? Yeah, it yeah. sucks. We're all feeling it. Mm-hmm. We admit it. I know that your dad loved that you bought the SL55 because you're in the Mercedes fold. You did well, you know, son. Good, good job, I, I know son. SL55. And then you went, oh my gosh, what is this thing? I'm sure the running costs were horrifying. <laughs> he has a really good current list of cars he's looking at. He says his favorite on the list is pretty much your car, Paul. Yeah. The 981 Cayman S PDK. So it's an S, not a GTS, but it's pretty much that's leading the pack. Because remember, this is a Canyon car. And it's a car to be involved as a car lover, but it's a commute car as well, the L.A. commute car. Now, I will admit anything we get him into is going to be better than a 2001 F-150 for both commuting and canyon. So we've got a low bar there. Yep. But that Cayman yep. is leading the pack. He also is intrigued by the Julia Quadrifoglio. Liam, you are with your people. That is a great wow. car. I don't know that 22-year-old me should have been handed a Julia Quadrifoglio or most of the rest of your list. The M3 F80, the C43 AMG, you say you like it more for the MPG, but 
Well, you not like it because you also like the C63 AMG. Of course you do. Uh-huh. And the F-Type S Jaguar. That's a, that is a good list, and that is a, that is a bold list. I'm just going to go with that word for a 22-year-old. I love your thinking, Liam. Mm-hmm. I love that you're out there with this list. But this is a list that people 20 years or more older than you aspire to and still might not ever be able to get into. So the fact that you're even able to consider these cars is huge. Mm -hmm. I know you're aware of that, but also with any of these, an insurance company is going to say, ha ha, (laughs) ding, ding. How old are you again? (laughs) And you're trying to insure an $80,000 car or somewhere in that range with how much horsepower? Yeah. Welcome. It's going to be rough for you. I'm not trying to steer you away from any of these cars, but also as we've talked about your car life doesn't have to be in ascending order from the time you're in your early 20s all the way until you die. It just gets better and more expensive every car you get from here. Sure. It doesn't have to be that way. You can jump around. You could start hot like this. You could get a Cayman. Awesome. And that PDK tells me you want maybe something automatic. You might consider an automatic, Mm -hmm. especially because you consider the quadrifolio. That's an automatic. Absolutely, it is. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's great. For the commute part. Mm -hmm. But again... You don't have to think, ah, once I get that Cayman, well, shoot, now I've got to consider McLaren. I have and to go bigger. Yeah. Ferrari, and then you know what's better and better and better. Mm. Don't lock yourself into that kind of thinking. And I, I get the idea that you haven't because you've already had a Miata, the first gen, and an SL55. Mm-hmm. You've kind of tasted both right now. But I want you to bring this, come into this debate with an open mind, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you a Two suggestions, one for front-wheel drive, one for rear-wheel drive. Good for you. I like it. Okay. He says a postscript here. He's looking to join a car community for whichever car he ends up going with. He says he's the only one in his group of friends who cares about cars outside of the superficial branding common in L.A. You just answered my concern. You answered my question there, Liam. Mm -hmm. Well done. Well, the next actually makes me think of something as well, Liam, and I want to say this to you in general. Okay. I see where you're going. You're saying, I have no real car friends. I have nobody that really loves cars. So whatever car I buy, I'm going to get involved in that community. But I'm going to stop you right there and say, think broader. Mm -hmm. Whatever car you get, get involved in the car community. Please Mm -hmm. don't pigeonhole yourself with only other people that drive the brand or car you have. Agreed. I find that that just becomes an echo chamber. I don't care what we're talking. We can talk about cars or religion and politics, for God's sakes. If you just are in an echo chamber of only people that are exactly like you, there's no growth possible. And with cars, what that means is you'll never buy another brand. Mm-hmm. So find Porsche. LA. <clears throat> uh, yeah, exactly. LA, LA is, is littered with great car groups. There's tons of cars and coffees. There's tons of random people that do drives as groups. So I want you to find car groups. Find local cars and coffee. Don't look for just the community of the car you buy. Mm-hmm. Find car lovers. Because what I find is when you find people at cars and coffee, wherever people that go on drives, especially with all kinds of cars and their line of cars, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those are the best car people on the planet. Yeah. Because they all start to recognize, oh, you're in one of those? I've always wanted one of those. Or I had one of those. Or oh, you know what? Those are really cool, but I here's why. I I went to what I went with because I had one and now I've got one of great conversations Love that. that are much better than just, well, you know, we all own that brand. So of course you're going to get another one, right? BMWs, Corvettes, Porsches. It happens with every it's brand. It's the best because of all matter. the reasons. But yeah. you get in that car community and it's just like, well, why would you buy anything else? This is the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. Yeah. I'm going to suggest Hyundais and Toyotas to you. That matches none of your European lists. This is true. Yes. But for front wheel drive, I'm going to suggest the Veloster N DSG, the dual clutch. Oh, 
Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. We right, love I'm with you. that car. Yeah, it's, it's so car. much fun. It's excellent in the canyons. And it's got a good sound. Yes, and now you've got a dual clutch for commuting and traffic. I see it. Yeah, I see it's it. It's pretty good. high strung. It might not be all... Well, you might like it. Mm-hmm. But I want you to be open to that. The rear-wheel drive choice that I have for you is a Toyota Supra, the GR Supra. I wondered. I could go either way, two liter or three liter, maybe two liter just because of the, the dynamics in the front. I like the, the two liter a little bit better. And he could get a brand new one with his budget easily. But absolutely. You're, both of these are well within your budget. Mm-hmm. They're both very different cars, but they're none of the BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, yep. Yep. Audi, mm-hmm. you know, kind of cool kid sort of club. But the dynamics for both are so notable when you are with these car clubs mm-hmm. and with your friends you will say, look, you got to drive this. Here, we'll swap keys. Try to convince me, fight me, that this isn't <laughs> good to drive and you're not having fun. Sure. Just because the Supra is an automatic and it can't be an enthusiast car. or Just because the Veloster N just doesn't really seem like an enthusiast car. I'd happily take one of those. They're so much fun. They are. So be open to those. Again, front-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive. You could go with either in uh, in LA very easily. And I'm, I'm suggesting these to you. I, I like that. Yeah, be open to this, even though I do like your list, but also both of these, you could get brand new for your budget, but it, does, it doesn't it does blow out your budget, and I think they would both be a little bit more insurance-friendly than the rest of your list. Possibly, yes. M- maybe, mm-hmm. but you've got the rest of your life to experience all these other cars, even though you can argue, the time is now, you know, you only live once, you know, <laughs> but I, I suggest that, yeah, try these, and then you'll know how you like them, and then you can move on to others. When I was reading your whole email here, Liam, one of the things that really struck me is your discussion of wanting to have something that has an interesting feel and a great sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That really kind of struck me, and I kept kind of thinking about what are these cars I'm about to recommend sound like? Okay. And I came to a favorite because you also talked about wanting to have something that you know might have decent value, hang on to value decently, and that kind of stuff. And so my favorite, when I thought about all of these, thought about your usage, some canyons, but it doesn't have to be the world's greatest canyon car, needs to be able to commute. All of these things you're trying to, to merge in one place. I thought, it would be great for Liam as a Mustang GT350, one of the best-sounding engines ever, except it's above your budget. Those are expensive, I was going to say. That's the problem. It's, yeah. it's probably at least ten grand above your budget. That is the problem for getting a used one. But I yeah. do like that. That made me just wonder, and I'm wondering, Liam, because you didn't even mention it, you want sound and feel, which can be equated to attitude. Nothing True. does attitude better than a big V8 muscle car. Yeah. Have you even yeah. thought about Mustangs? Have you mm-hmm. even thought about Camaros? I'm not saying they're the answer, but are they off the table completely? Because you're talking about attitude. The Mustang, the Camaro, or an old used Corvette, all three of those would be perfectly good for commuting. And you have attitude you have not experienced in the cars you've driven so far. There is attitude, feel, the ability to canyon run them, and you can commute every one of those cars. Yeah, I was going to say, all three of them are still great in canyons. Spec, right? I wonder about something just V8 and American for you, because the the GT350 was kind of my entry into that discussion. Interesting. And I think, I mean, come on. Look, if you bought yourself a early C7 Corvette in automatic, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't buy the automatic, but buy an automatic, I think you'd still really like that car. 460-something horsepower, get the Z51 pack. You'd enjoy that car. It'd be a great commute car. Do you want to be a 22-year-old in a Corvette or a Camaro or a Mustang? I don't know, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. they'd be great for everything. So I'm putting it out there because you didn't even get close to that world of cars. So I want want to at least float that. One of the ones I really like for you that I think might be your car, I haven't even driven it, and I think it might be your car, the upcoming Nissan Z. 
oh, that's great. Yeah. It's going to be right in your budget. You yeah. Go get a brand new one. And and the reason I bring up the Z is because we know it'll be decent for commuting. We know it'll be good in canyons because this is based on the 350 and 370 chassis. But the other reason I bring it up is because those cars have always sounded great. It's true. The last few that's generations true. of Z cars have sounded wonderful. Yeah, we hope so it continues. I suspect that yeah. this one will sound pretty good, too. So the Nissan Z, I think, is a really good one. And then I have a wild card. Okay. It's automatic. I would commute in it, but I'm not normal. It actually is very unique. It has a unique sound. You will not see very many of them. And I think they're kind of unloved, so you might be able to get one for your budget, and that's the Alpha 4C. I mean, wild card territory, Okay, but an Alpha okay. 4C would do everything you're looking for. It's a small commute car. I would much rather drive an Alpha 4C in Los Angeles than a Lotus Elise. I hear you. For commuting, I would would commute an Alpha 4C. I'll be the smallest thing on the road. It'll be surrounded by silver Range Rovers and can't see, but I'll do it anyway. Yeah. So it's a wild card, and I think it might be a bit above your budget, but if you really really throw in down, I'm going there. You know, I was initially thinking on this, Liam, with uh, all the unloved cars that were automatics. Imagine a 987 Cayman S in automatic or the first-gen Acura NSX with an automatic. People get really excited and go, (laughs) But I admit, we have not driven the automatic flavors of those, but they're out there for much cheaper. They are, yeah. Not much, but in some cases, kind of significant difference. I mean, low-mile Cayman S's with an automatic, everybody doesn't touch with a 100-foot pole, mm -hmm. but there it is sitting there for like 25 grand. Yeah. And you know, how much commuting versus canyon driving do you do? Agreed. Uh, you know, only you can tell us that, but something to think about. It's it's more food for thought than a, a real suggestion. Totally, but, because, well, when, when we lived there, I had my original 300ZX, which was an auto and a non-turbo. And as much as I wanted a manual anytime I was on a fun drive, I was on a fun drive one day a week, and I commuted five days a week. And mm-hmm. I was awfully glad to have the automatic when I commuted. Now... I'm a bit of a freak, even more of a car freak now than I was then. I might want to commute in a manual now. Do you want to do that, Liam? Because you could certainly get a manual of these. But if you're willing to go automatic, you create a lot more opportunities for yourself on the commute side of things. And I'm going to bring this up because you kind of brushed it away, Liam, and that is why aren't you looking at another Miata, a newer Miata? Mm, Yeah. You could get an NC or an ND, and those are perfectly great cars, and you could commute in those like crazy. Sure. Get yourself a Miata RF, the brand new ND Miata RF, for less than your full budget. Yeah, that could be fun. I mean, yeah. I prefer that car in manual, but the automatic's not terrible. Either way, it that might be car, a good balance. Yeah. That car in in the city be awesome. Twenty two year old. Now, Liam, I'll, look, I'm rewinding myself now. <laughs> when I think about of the cars that, that both of us have mentioned, when I think about what do I think a twenty two year old that really wants to love cars should be in a Miata RF? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's that's where I'm staying. Like it. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Replaying on TV on the Motor Trend Cable Channel is Bronco versus Wrangler mm-hmm. on Saturday, March 5, 2022. It's also available on the main YouTube channel. Hopefully you're there watching the GR86 reveal and our Cars of the Past, the first road trip from yeah, San Francisco yeah. up to Seattle. But we're on the back half of season 10, so all of the episodes are replaying through. Yeah. So we're here with the Ford Bronco and the Wrangler, and then we've got the next three coming up. 
Big thanks to our TV sponsors, Covercraft.com. Everyday22 is the discount code for 10% off and free shipping. And griotsgarage.com. You can use the code EDRIVER, 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. And our friends at Haggerty, Drivers Club, DriveshareMotorsportReg.com, and Garage and Social. Mm-hmm. And our new partner, CarParts.com. Yeah, Car Parts is great because actually they have really cheap parts to begin with, but they're still offering you guys a 10% discount on more than $100 of qualified parts. Just go to CarParts.com slash EverydayDriver. Oh, the questions. I'm starting here with Michael on Facebook who says, is Rivian's about face enough to recover their fan base? Now, in case you don't know what happened, Rivian has come out of nowhere as the first major electric pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. They've been working for, it's not like they just appeared and we just heard of them, but they really do have trucks and they're starting to do deliveries, but they were taking deposits in 2018, 2019 and their costs, like everybody's on the planet have gone up. And so they just announced that they were going to increase the prices of their Rivians by like 15 to 20% across the board, including people who had just not had their car delivered yet. Now, this is weird because we've heard about people that you ordered a car and you got to the dealer and now the dealer wants to charge you markup. This is the manufacturer saying, I know you ordered it at this amount of money, but when you get here, bring 20% more. And so a lot of people canceled orders. A lot of people have raged online, understandably, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's a tough decision. So then the CEO of Rivian turned around and said, well, hang on, here's what we're going to do. Yes, our prices have gone up. Yes, it's bad for us. Yes, we're struggling to survive because we're a startup. All of these things are true. They have Amazon money, a lot of people with money in in behind them too. And I think they're going to do fine. We're looking forward to driving one. But what he said is, what we're going to do is, anybody that's ordered starting March 1st, this is the new price list. If you ordered prior and just haven't gotten your truck yet, you ordered it, you're going to get it for the price that we said. Now, that was the right answer. I think they're going to keep their audience. And I say that because right now they are the new interesting kid and they're figuring themselves out and they're enough of a star. If Ford had done this, I think they would have lost customers across the board, but it's a startup and their stuff's really cool and it's very unique and people want to be the first to have the cool thing. So if you have an order and you're getting a ribbon, you can now still get it for the same price. I think if they hadn't made this change, they would have completely just... (laughs) cannoned themselves into a relevancy. But the fact that if you ordered one a couple <laughs> you, of years ago, right. you can still get that for the price you were promised. I think you're still going to want to get that car. I think, I think they will survive because they've done that, but they are trying desperately to have markup to survive because it's costing more for everything. A bad petrol head on Instagram. It's one of the many people asking about the GR86 and should you get one. You say congrats to us for getting one. We're very excited in case you haven't noticed. He's thinking about selling his Fiesta ST for a GR86. Do we think that is a good choice? He typically dailies his Fiesta ST about 60 miles a, a day, five days a week. He, he loves it, but he's just been thinking about something different, and the GR86 is intriguing to him. I think you would definitely enjoy it. It's, it's in the same vein of kind of a smaller, cheaper, lightweight vehicle, but it's obviously rear-wheel drive and a very different package. So I think you would enjoy it. I'm going to submit to you as an alternative, though, is look very seriously at the Veloster N. Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. I had to think about who carries on the mantle of the Fiesta ST, it's the Veloster N. You should at least look at one of those. B. Tremel asks our opinion on break-in periods. No, they're related to the mm. GR86, uh, the video here. <laughs> you know what we're doing? We're driving it. Exactly. We're just going to drive it. No, he says, seeing as you seem to be revving the 86 quite high, around 400 miles on the odometer, 
Do we subscribe to the idea that break-in periods are, for lack of a better term, BS? Or was this just one-off for the shoot? No, break-in periods definitely are real. Follow your owner's manual and anything you can find online to find other people's experiences. But with this car, we're driving it. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, for a break-in period, you want variation in the RPMs. You don't want to just hang out at high RPM, but you also don't want to just hang out at low RPMs either. Many people associate break-in periods with just low RPMs. That's mostly for temperature upon startup mm. and when it's very cold. But if you vary the RPM range and drive for a little bit in the high RPM or you do one shift and you're you know, almost to redline or you know, something like that and make it a, a variation as you're putting miles on the car, ultimately that's going to be far better for the health of the car, the overall you know, the seal, the engine. You so got to mix it up. There's interesting. I think the variation is better. When we drove the Corvette C8, we happened to drive one before its first 500 miles. We actually were driving it on our shoot. Watch our C8 That's versus right. C7 piece. That's we were right. driving on our shoot when it broke 500 miles and it jumped like 2000 RPM of available RPM. Otherwise, the fuel cutoff was really low. That was interesting. This car has enough of a brain because we've had it here in the winter that when you have really cold startup, it brings the RPM down. Mm-hmm. Now, this car does not come with any information about here's what you need to do for the first few miles, and it doesn't have a limiter on it of any kind. So, we're, look, it's not like at mile 11 we were sideways at, at banging off the rev limiter. We're not doing that. <laughs> it was mile 12. It was mile 12. You're right. But at the same time, we're, we're not apologizing for it. We also are think, thinking about, all right, let's just drive this like a person. Mm-hmm. It's a Toyota. What's it do? Yeah. If it becomes catastrophic, we will share. Indeed. iCarry556 is getting a brand new windshield on Tuesday for his recently purchased FRS. Mm. After a week of ownership, a dump truck kicked up a grape-sized rock oh. and put a two-foot crack in the windshield. That sucks. That's awful. Are there any steps you can take to make sure it doesn't happen again because windshields are not cheap? You're <laughs> absolutely right, but no, you can't make it not happen. But many insurance companies will have an option where you can increase your premium and have full zero deductible windshield coverage. Mm-hmm. It, like I said, <laughs> at that point, you're going to want rocks. Like, throw all the rocks at me. I've got zero <laughs> deductible. No, it's, it's still a bit of a hassle to go through because yes. it's your time and uh-huh, you have to order sure. the windshield and it still costs money. But if you get the zero dollar deductible, it will give you the peace of mind because then when something happens, depending on the crack, you can have it filled and it'll mm-hmm. you know, limp you along. And in some cases, you'll have it fixed. Or if you need a full replacement like you do, it's, you're not going to be out because yeah. you're right, windshields. For that Miata RF, we actually got a line drive rock chip when we drove that for the first yes, time. We drove our first one, yeah. It was $800 it was for a Miata-sized windshield. Incredible. They had this special order. It was a whole ridiculous thing. Yeah. And I will say this. Paul actually has this kind of coverage on things like his Cayman, and I don't have it on my cars. And the last time I replaced a windshield, I was like... Huh. <laughs> well, I wonder about yeah. the thing with the stuff and the yeah, the insurance. <laughs> There's a lot going on here on the 86. I'm going to dive into a couple. Did we know, Bruce is asking this, Bruce B on Instagram, did we know we were going to buy one when we did our online build in an earlier episode? We were already discussing we were going to. Mm-hmm. So we, that that what you guys heard was kind of us almost live debating what our preferences would be. And then we had got out you know, off the podcast. We talked about how we really want to order it. And then we did build our one behind the scenes. We were still kind of trying out the idea and seeing what the costs were when we did it on the show. Also, you're asking Mike, you're asking Mike's steering column, is this my BRZ? Is it Paul's BRZ? Or is it Everyday Driver's BRZ? 
And uh, also, did we sell anything to make room for it? I, I did kind of go off. A couple of people have called me out on it on the last podcast about talking about it's pretty easy to have too many cars. Mm-hmm, you did. And now we've added an 86. Uh, I will say that one of the ways that we solved that is because I haven't driven the Lotus in months. Unfortunately, I put it away with pretty much bald tires. Yeah. So it's yeah. been winter here, and I have fi- and the tires were back ordered for like three months. I just got them in recently, so I need to get new tires on that, and then that'll be in the mix. It's been like away though. Yeah. I've got it yeah. parked in a friend's garage because I was out of space. On withdrawal. So over as here. a result, I I don't think about the fact that the Lotus isn't being driven. Every now and then I go, oh yeah, that's <laughs> not here. So I've got the Z, but we are fully sharing this Tier eighty six. It is the yeah. show's car, and we yes. don't even know everything we're going to do with it, but we have so much planned. We didn't sell anything, but it is a car for the show. And honestly, in a weird way, it's a car for you guys. So we can talk about this car Agreed. in depth. I told Todd we should paint one key fob red and one key fob blue. And so we'd yes. always know. And we just keep them at our houses. So when yeah. you know Todd comes over to pick up the car, he's like, I already got his key fob. He just yeah. takes the car. It's, it's weird. The car disappears. I'll text Paul and be like, by the way, I'm in the 86 now. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that just happens. All, uh-huh. right. All right. Also, uh, a Drake 777 said, how long did we have the new wheels and tires before the car? We didn't actually have them before. Yeah. We were yeah. that good. However, when we knew that it was actually, we had a, a, like a let's go and shoot it pickup delivery date, then I probably got online and ordered wheels. So the wheels and tires <laughs> were here like 24 hours after the car was in the exactly. driveway. Well, can I just say that everybody online is divided, sharply divided mm-hmm. between the black wheels that came on the car and these new gold OZs. Yes. Everybody, one person will say, those look great. Amazing choice. Other people are like, I hate gold wheels. Yeah. Black is the way to go. What are you guys thinking? I, yeah. I find it hilarious. It's, it's, there seems to be nobody in the middle on these gold wheels going, they're okay. Yeah. You really like yeah. it or you cannot stand them. So polarizing. Last question for me from KTL23. Asking me, what is the ideal amount of watches you take on a road trip? <laughs> well, I, you're right. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. We're I taking have, multiple watches for the road trip? Well, see, there's these things called watch rolls. Okay. And you roll up your watch in the roll. It's either a fabric or uh-huh. leather, something nice. And some of them can take up to three watches. Sure. Some of them are singles. Sure. I say two. It depends on the road trip that you're doing. Okay. If we're shooting a lot, we're going to be banging around outside. I'm wearing the G-Shock because I know if I yeah. slam it into something, if something catches on it, I'm wearing the G-Shock. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. I do like the dive watch for its versatility from... In the water to <laughs> dinner to... In case you launch yourself yeah. off a cliff and wind up in the water, your I, watch still works. Just so. Yeah. Well, that's what it's for. So I, I'll take the tutor. But otherwise, uh, two, I think, is a good mix because I just like variety. Take a couple <laughs> pairs of sunglasses, a couple All watches. Right. We're good. All right. That's good. Tanner right. G Images has a question that I think I have an answer for you, man. You've, you are thinking about the Alpha Julia, the non-quadrifolio. And you're saying you really are thinking about getting one. But you live in Cincinnati. You've always had all-wheel drive. Should you get the Julia in all-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive? You've never had a rear-wheel drive car is what you're telling me. Very curious to see what our thoughts are. Tanner, if you've always had all-wheel drive, I'm going to massively encourage you to get that car in rear-wheel drive. Now, if you feel like you have to have it in all-wheel drive, then, okay, I think it'll be fine. But this is true of Alphas. It's true of BMWs. It's true of anything I can think of that is a fun-to-drive performance sedan. Mm-hmm. The minute you make it all-wheel drive, it mutes it somewhat. doesn't make it bad, but it mutes it. And the Alpha is so much fun in rear-wheel drive form, and it is so great in steering and rotation that I don't want you to mute that experience. I want you to have all of that experience. And I'm thinking, what a great place to start your rear-wheel drive adventure is in that car. Yeah, so I'm going to okay. say rear-wheel drive unless you absolutely cannot stomach it, but I'm going to say it again. Tires Indeed. matter more than anything. 
Okay, I lied. Cutler Colin 99 has an O3Z4, and he says there's rock chips on the front bumper and near the front of the hood. If he corrects the paint with polish and a random orbital, will the rock chips get worse? No, they won't get worse, but they will fill up with polish and wax. Mm. So the, it'll look white. They'll actually be magnified. You'll see them more. You'll, mm. You're going to have to go back with some polish remover, which Grios makes as well. But no, they're not going to get worse at all. You'll just have to come back and... You know, do a little cleanup, or uh, or you could mask them off. Uh, did you see the Fighting Words track, Daily Crush? No, Matt I didn't. Guerra Where was this? He said uh, he's very excited about the fact we had a GR86, and he actually asked this question, then takes it back. Like, no, 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 you don't need to answer. Oh. But I'm putting it oh, out yeah, there. Oh, yeah, I did see this. Track Daily Crush, your Cayman, <laughs> my Elise, <laughs> or the new GR86? What say you? Track Daily Crush. <sighs> uh, you probably won't be surprised. I'm crushing your Cayman. I, I like figured, it. I figured. But I, I want more involvement all the time, so I'll daily the GR86, and I'll track the Lotus. And you know what? I will be slower everywhere than you would be in the Cayman, but I would do that. See, the Cayman is great for daily use. It's great for track use. I know. I'm That's aware. That's why GTSs exist. Yes. I would probably crush the 86. Mm. Hate to say it, but the involvement of the Lotus is so amazing and so high mm-hmm. that it is so much fun on track. I'd probably daily the Cayman. And the 86 is great. I love of it. Of course, yes. I love the newfound power and torque. Mm-hmm. I love the different feel in the chassis and the overall build quality. I do really appreciate it. But the Cayman and the Lotus are still way up there for me. They're way up there. I will say this. There's been some interesting comments already on that video of the reveal. And we're loving the comments. We're loving people getting polarized about the wheels and all the fun stuff. But one of the comments was talking about, you hope we don't fall out of love with this gen like we did the last. And I would like to do a record stretch correction right there. <laughs> okay. I liked it when we first drove it. I then liked it more when I bought one. I liked it the day I sold it. Paul thought it was really cool when he first drove it, and the more he drove it, the less he liked it. Yeah, I'm the one that fell out of love with it. I liked it the whole way through. And I want to bring this up because you guys should all know that we drove the second gen at the press thing, and we talked about, "Mm, man, we... We, we want to compare this to so many things. Mm-hmm. We should buy one. We, <laughs> we should buy one. That's funny. We kind of left and come back to it. The person that circled back was Paul. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, as much as I think they're cool, I was like, yeah, somewhere down the line. And Paul circled back and was like, we really ought to buy one for the show. And look what happened. <laughs> I just, I knew it. I felt it in my bones. Thank you guys for all your questions. Really appreciate all your engagement. If you haven't seen the GR86 piece, we hope you will. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.